frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer, Gamble. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Don't try to do two things at once and expect to do justice to both. This is the story of a boy who tried. While employed as a moving picture operator in a small town theater, he was also studying to be a detective. Hello and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday and I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. Today, I picked the film, and it's 1924's Sherlock Jr., directed and starring the one and only Buster Keaton. Brandon, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. We're good. busting out the Keaton this week. <laughs> how long have you been working on that? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All day. And it's, it's not Michael Keaton either. No, that's right. No relation. <laughs> man, I wish he was like the great-grandson or something, though. That would be hilarious. Yeah, just keeping it in the family. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we jump into the movie and talk about what we've been watching this week, uh, we'd like to thank everyone, of course, who has been listening to the podcast and sending their love for this show. It truly means the world to us both, and we love hearing from everyone. Um, you can find us on all good social media platforms, at Film Church Radio, where you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. Um, we'd also love for you to rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you're streaming from. Um, you don't necessarily have to say great things about me and Brandon. You know, we we say the great things to each other. So you can just tell us what movies you've been watching, uh, what you'd like for us to discuss, and just hit that five star. That sounds good to me. How about you, Brandon? That sounds great. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, so before we get to Sherlock Jr., which I'm super excited to talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about what we've been watching this week, other than Sherlock Jr. Um, I actually haven't watched any movies this week at all. Sherlock Jr. was the first thing I watched movie-wise well, since we watched Wander Darkly, but I've mostly been watching shows. Like Me and my girlfriend have been watching Fresh Prince. Um, nice. All of it's on HBO Max, and it's it holds up so well. It's such oh, a funny good. show. That's good to hear, yeah. Um been watching pose on season two of that um, nice it's really good how i met your father watched the first episode hmm. <laughs> what did you think i don't know <laughs> i mean i laughed a couple of times but i'm just like why or why are we doing this yeah i mean we <laughs> mean when they dropped the first two episodes me and my wife watched it um and i think i mentioned it a few weeks ago that I've been like doing the rewatch of How I Met Your Mother, or trying to at least. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it since it like first aired, and I was like, I want to go back and watch. And I got to like, I don't know, season seven, and I just gave up. And I was like, this is just painful. It's you got like, you got to season seven and then gave up. Like, yeah, I, was, I only got to season seven and then I gave up. That's a yeah. pretty long way to go, though. <laughs> but for me, who's like a completist, you know, I need to, yeah. like, I need to watch it all in chronological order um well that yeah, last dude. season though just drug out it's like they should have ended it the season before the whole the whole yeah. wedding and everything could have been one episode yeah oh it, for sure yeah. yeah um but 
so my my expectations going into this were pre- pretty low seeing as yeah i was like it's not as good as i remember it like i used to love it when it first was there yeah um but yeah it's just i don't know it's not my kind of humor anymore yeah which is like and the characters seem fine i mean i'm glad hillary duster and stuff but it's just um, weird to see new sitcoms too in today's age yeah it's like it's such an yeah. old thing yeah Mm-hmm. and style you know yeah for sure and and then like spoiler at the end of the first episode they're like hey we moved into this apartment from somewhere and i was like no you've oh, lost me yeah, I like, i'm just did that like and if the you're gonna swords do are on it, the wall yeah exactly if you're gonna do it like do it don't like being because already you're in the shadow of it you know yeah yeah so i don't know but yeah i don't think we'll be watching much more yeah also, Boba Fett. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Yeah. The, that episode that dropped last night. Spoilers, if you haven't watched Boba Fett, we might talk about it a little bit, and Mandalorian. Yeah. But, um, yeah, last night was the episode where Mando tries to give the gift to Grogu, and we get to see Luke Skywalker. We get to see... Luke Skywalker training Grogu. We get yeah. to see Ahsoka with Luke, yeah, which is a big deal. Um, I assume that they're going to sh- actually, in her show, maybe show a flashback of her meeting him for the first time because yeah. that's got to be a big moment. But, yeah. Th- yeah, all this stuff that I did not expect to see until, you know, mm-hmm. the next season of Mando. I was like, oh, oh, we're here. Because, like, even the last episode where Mando... Would you know was like, yeah, I'm gonna help Boba Fett, but I need to go meet yeah. see somebody first. I figured they would just skip over and he would just show back up and be like, I'm back, and then we wouldn't get to see it till yeah. later. Mm-hmm. But no, they nope. go right into it, and I was like, oh yeah. my god. Um, and Luke looked way better than yeah, he, he did right in yeah. in uh, at the end of Mando season two. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously they've been listening to people. And they're like, yeah, we need to do better on this CGI stuff. And, um, man, there were so many good moments. I mean, just him, like, him, like, force walking (laughs) (laughs) Grogu along. And then, like, him with him on his backpack and doing the, he, like, did a flip and stuff like he does in in Empire uh, with Yoda. Man, it was just, yeah, it was good. It's, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, these last two episodes have just been so good at just filling in those gaps that like people have been speculating about a lot. Yeah. You know, like the last episode that was basically just the Mandalorian, it was talking a lot about like the, the Mandalorian law kind of thing. Just like, yeah. this is what we stand for. This is what the dark saber is about. You know, this is kind of why you have it now. And like the claim is that you could rule Mandalore or whatever. And then this one, it was kind of like, okay, where did Grogu come from? And it was like he was being trained, yeah, right when when um, Order sixty six or whatever happened, yeah. Um, which I know a lot of people have speculated about, but like we're filling in those gaps now. So yeah, the only I don't I don't know what they're going to do for season three. If this is what they're just you know putting in a filler episode for the Boba Fett show, who? Who, Who knows, knows what they got yeah. for Mandalorian? Like it's going to be mega, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, it was. 
I just sat there with a big grin on my face the whole time. But every time like we went to a cutscene, I was like, don't go to Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay here, please. I don't yeah. want like I don't want to cut back. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, even the some of the Boba Fett stuff though was really good in this episode. I mean, the well, I guess actually it was more Mandalorian stuff actually, because Mando <laughs> goes back to what is it, Mata Espa mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to that town. And um oh, what's the actor's name that plays like the the marshal? Um, I can't think of it right uh, now, but he's he's always yeah. good. And then they introduce this new villain that's like this, like Clint Eastwood, yeah. <laughs> alien thing, and yeah. uh, kind of looks like he should be in Pirates of the Caribbean, actually. Yeah, so he was in the animated Clone Wars a lot. Oh, he, he is like alone. I don't. I, I hesitate to call him bounty hunter. I guess he okay. is. Okay, interesting. Um, but I kind of had a look on Twitter. And I know a lot of people. I haven't finished Clone Wars. A lot of people are like, can't wait for the rematch between him and Boba Fett. So I assume that ah, that they fought like somewhere point. in the history. Yeah, there was something to do with him and Boba Fett. Yeah, I'm gonna have to catch up on all the animated stuff. Yeah, after the show, after I watched it last night, I went and watched an episode where I'd left off, kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I feel I don't know. It's just so good. Yeah, like, I just want to like it. Just rekindles that love of Star Wars of wanting to know everything about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, man. Can't get enough. Yeah, dude. It's so so what else have you been watching? So I um this has been like a like a silent film week for me. I seem to get into these like um like holes a little bit where I just kind of watch silent films a lot. Yeah. Um I mean obviously Sherlock Jr., I've watched that a couple of times. And then I watched uh 1922's Robin Hood with Douglas mm-hmm. Fairbanks. Um which is which is so good. I mean, it's like two and a half hours long, so it is a bit of a like bit daunting to put in, you know. Yeah, and a commitment. I, I know. Yeah, I know. We've talked about you know my kind of thoughts on runtimes. You know, the yeah. the shorter it is, the kind of more I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch that. Um, but it was yeah, it's just so fun and like entertaining. And Douglas Fairbanks <laughs> is such a great leading man. You know, you can see why it was so popular. Yeah. And then I watched another um, silent comedy from around the same time as uh, Sherlock Jr. Um, with Harold Lloyd called Grandma's Boy. Okay. Um, basically, he just plays Grandma's Boy who's like trying to stand up to a bully. And yeah. There's like this tramp that's in the town and he's trying to get rid of him and stuff. And um I mean, there's some like good bits in it, and it made me laugh. And it's got Harold Lloyd in it, which oh, I like Harold Lloyd a lot. It's kind of like the third silent comedian, but it's yeah. I don't uh, if you don't like that character as much, it's hard to kind of get behind it. You, if you know what I yeah. mean, like the Tramp for Charlie Chaplin and the Stone Face for Buster Keaton, it's easy to you know pick up with them. But for I don't know for some reason Harold Lloyd has never been like the top of my list. Yeah, you know, but. Hey, I want to watch more, so I'm glad that I saw it. Where do you usually watch these films? Do you like know a film that you want to watch and you just like have it in your collection, and you pull it off the shelf, or do you like search out stuff? Yeah, so on like the Robin internet. H- yeah, so like Robin Hood, for example, um, kind of started it all. I've got that on DVD, like an, an old Kino DVD. I'm not sure if it's still in print actually. Um, so I pulled that out to watch that because. Like I really like Fairbanks, so then I haven't seen it for a few years, so I watched that. And then I had a look at like 1922 as a year, and I saw that Grandma's Boy was like the fourth highest grossing film that year. 
Oh, okay. And I was like, wow, like a like a silent comedy that isn't Chaplin being like highest grossing film of the year kind of thing. Yeah. So that's what put me onto that. It's it's just like rabbit holes. I just kind of go down, you know, research rabbit holes and then yeah. find films that kind of I don't know connect to it somehow. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because I mean. I'm just curious because I haven't watched a ton of silent films, I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, I've watched stuff that, you know, was a part of, like, film history classes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I've noticed the more, like, you kind of, to really get into silent films and uh, just older films in general, the more context you have, the easier, it, the more accessible it is, I guess. Yeah. Because... Yeah you know just knowing the history around the film or you know like if it's an american film like what was going on in america that year or yeah. in the past few years like what was informing what audiences were reacting to and stuff mm-hmm. like that um and same with like foreign films you know yeah exactly things, things yeah. going on in the country oftentimes had a lot to do with the film, and if you if you have if you're just going in it into it completely blind, then you know sometimes it's harder to to get into them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's you know Japanese films, for example, is something that I've been trying to watch a lot more of because visually I find them stunning. But there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, okay, like what era are we in? Even you know I'm yeah. not even because they do a lot of period pieces and stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's hard to decipher, but yeah, I mean, just with anything, I think silent film, if you find someone that you like, I would gravitate towards their stuff Yeah. F- first and then kind of branch out. I mean, Fairbanks, actually, <laughs> it kind of relates to what the film we're watching today. Um, but as part of my dissertation when I was at university, I wrote about one of his films um, that he made, I think, is it 1916? It's pretty early in his career, and it's called Mystery of the Leaping Fish, which doesn't sound that interesting (laughs) he plays a sherlock holmes type detective called coke any day okay which yeah already you're like okay that's a weird name but he literally injects himself with heroin throughout the film to solve crimes nice Um, it's just like his like yeah magical super drug power exactly and he's got like Super a little clock on the wall and it says like sleep, eat, drink, coke. And it like spins round and points to coke and he like injects himself. It's <laughs> it's bonkers. It's so insane. Just like, you know, the early days of Hollywood and this was just, you know, <laughs> like yeah. everybody saw this film, you know. Um, and it always kind of amazes me that this <laughs> that this film is made and is still out there and not talked about more. So, yeah. Definitely try and track down. I mean, it's on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes. Okay. Um, and it's called Mystery of the Leaping Fish. Um, there's a point where he's on like an inflatable in the sea and it starts to deflate and he injects it with um, Coke and then they just go flying off through the water, which always makes me laugh. Yeah, maybe I just need to watch like all these really short um, yeah. old films and just take inspiration from them because it's like... Because, like, the premise of that just sounds like something that would still work today for today's mm-hmm. audiences. You know, mm-hmm. it would just be hilarious. Yeah, yeah dude. Which... It's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially, like, Keaton, like, his shorts, especially about, what, 22, 23 time are just 
incredible. Like one after another, they're just classic. Yeah. Like classics, you know. So you can't go wrong with any of his shorts. So this film, Sherlock Jr., do you have a copy of it or did you? I do. Yeah? Yes. On Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, the English label, um, Masters of Cinema, put out like three box sets. And they're pretty much, each one's got three films. And I think it's all his like features before he went to MVM. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I do have it on Blu-ray and it's, it looked real good. Yeah. Say. So. <clears throat> That's awesome. I watched it on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> With not the original music. Or, I mean, there was no original music back then, but I mean... Yeah, I wonder what. I wonder how much the music, like especially with these silent films, because silent films, obviously for people who don't know, yeah. uh, the silent films were shown in theaters, and then they had a live piano player or live orchestra to yeah. to go along with the film. And I guess did sometimes they send out sheet music, or did they just mm-hmm. make up and? Oh, they did send out. Yeah. Okay. So for um for the Blu-ray that I've got of Sherlock Junior, it like the the soundtrack to it is the original sheet music, but just composed by like not composed, but like played by somebody else. Right. Yeah. So it's the actual music that was What's sent supposed out to show. go. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that yeah. does make it a little more consistent. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have a pretty big Keaton collection? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, masters again, master cinema have made it really easy. Yeah. Um, they does, put does, out sorry does the does it have his shorts in there too yeah so i mean they put out a whole box set and i think kino did as well of his okay. short fit like everyone he made from like his debut on screen until he started making um features yeah so i own those and then i own all his standalone features apart from the ones at mgm but i do have the cameraman that he made at mgm which is one okay. of my favorites yeah the cameraman's really good Okay. I haven't yeah. seen the cameraman. Actually, I I don't even know or maybe I have. I don't know. It's Yeah. It's one of those things like sometimes old films you're just not like I, if I have seen it I've only seen it once. Yeah. But sometimes I mean, I'll watch something and be like, "Oh, I have seen this before," you know. Yeah. Criterion put out a really good thing last year. Um and it's just yeah, it's it it looks good. Um it's I don't think it's as it's as good as is like standalone where you have more freedom. Um, yeah. But there's some nuggets of really good stuff in there. Yeah. So, so Sherlock Jr. Yeah, let's do it. 1924. Um, the summary for Sherlock Jr., if you haven't seen it. Sorry. No, do it. Is um, a film projectionist longs to be a detective and puts his skills to work when he is framed by a rival for stealing his girlfriend's father's pocket watch. Pretty, pretty standard... 20s premise, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's got this, yeah, it's got the same kind of, I don't know, goofy vibe to it mm-hmm. that you get from a lot of the um, Charlie Chaplin stuff. I mean, you've seen obviously a lot more silent films than he, than than me, but um, but yeah, it's easy to see as soon as this movie starts. It's easy to see why these films were so great. 
you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're just so entertaining all the way through. Yeah. I mean, it just, and, and it's all about the performance. It's all about the, I mean, it's all about Buster Keaton, really. I mean, he's, yeah. he's just a great entertainer, you know, mm-hmm. from start to finish, he, you know. Yeah, Buster is what, like my favorite silent film star. Is he really? Yeah. Over I, Chaplin? Like, yeah. I think, I mean, it's it's different to come, like, it's hard to compare them, but yeah, Keaton for me, like, as a lover of film and a lover of cinema, like, just the way that he, I don't know, uses the camera and, like, uses these trick shots that a lot are in Sherlock Jr., you know, yeah. I'm just like, he's amazing. Like, Chaplin is so good at telling his story yeah, and, ha- like, you know the laughing and the cry is sums him up perfectly. Whereas Keaton is just like this film, especially the first half is like very run of the mill slapstick done really well. Yeah. But the second half like is jaw dropping. How on earth did you get that? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree like, with that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. And, and well, yeah, this, this movie definitely changed my mind a little bit about Keaton because, uh, last summer, I took this comedy films course and I watched um, The General and then mm-hmm. I watched Gold Rush. And yeah. in comparison to those two, like Gold Rush was better, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, which was Charlie Chaplin. Um, and The General, like I liked it, like, and I got, you know, it had some mm-hmm. funny parts and stuff. And it had, you know, it has, at the time, it was the most expensive stunt yeah. ever. <laughs> In a film, because basically he crashes an entire train <laughs> and yeah. blows up a bridge, and um, but you know it wasn't like laugh out loud funny all the way through. I mean, yeah. it had it had its moments. Like he does the deadpan really well in that one, um, which is great because the deadpan is basically just um, you know crazy stuff is happening, and he just has just this blank <laughs> yeah. face as yeah, the stone as, face yeah mm-hmm. the stone face uh you know as things are happening and audiences love that like yeah. um apparently he he figured that out early on cuz he grew up in vaudeville his parents mm-hmm. were vaudeville performers and um he grew up on stage basically doing acts where um from what I was reading, his dad would, his dad would be like talking about how great it is or like how to raise a child up great and, you know, be a good parent and stuff. And he would be kind of mischievous in the background. And then he would turn around and see him and he would like kind of throw him around yeah. like play, playfully, but mm-hmm. he would, you know, it would freak the audience out because he was, he, they were basically doing stunts where he would like, th- you know, throw him into things or throw him, you know, where it looked like yeah. he was injuring him, but he would, you know, they would practice and he would do all these stunts himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, to the point where he even had like a suitcase handle stitched into his coat. Yeah. So yeah. his father could like properly grab him and like yeah. throw him and stuff. And, <laughs> Which yeah. is just insane. I know. At the age of like five as well. Yeah. Like super young. Yeah. Being like tossed around the stage. So he was, I mean, he was... um yeah, he was like, I don't know what the right, I was going to say bread for this, but I don't know if that's the right yeah, no, word. But like, you know what I mean? Like he, he, yeah. he, right time, right place. Like he, 
like going into 1920 silent film at I don't know how old he was then. What what yeah. year was he born? Um, he was born in 1895. So yeah, going into 1920, he's 25 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, at the height of his performance, perf- being able to perform and stuff, getting out, you know, away from his parents and, and becoming his own artist and stuff. I'm not sure how he got into film and stuff. I, I know he was friends with, um, yeah. Arbuckle, right? Mm-hmm. So um, he met Arbuckle, who was already, he's pretty much like Arbuckle at the, that time, like late teens, early twenties was pretty much level with Chaplin, you know, yeah. um, in terms of like box office and, um, comedy greats. And he discovered, I mean, didn't really discover Keaton, but like gave him his chance in films. Yeah. Um, and then they made like a lot of, like a lot of his early shorts are with, um, Roscoe and then he gets his own kind of unit. Yeah. So yeah, it was because of our buckle that he got his chance. Yeah. But, and, and like I was saying earlier, like this film kind of changed my mind about Keaton because, um, because it just, yeah, it's way more entertaining. I guess I just liked it more than the general, I guess. And it's way shorter mm-hmm. for one thing, but, he just does so many great things and there were so many so so many more things like you said towards the end of the movie where i kind of was sitting up in my seat like where is this going how is he doing yeah. this what's going on this is kind of crazy um but it also starts out really great like it starts out in a movie yeah. theater which i love i i worked in a movie theater for a long time so i've got a lot of like nostalgia for that um and he's like this movie theater uh, employee and he's sitting inside the theater and he's holding a book and the cover of it says how to be a detective <laughs> that's right yeah. which is just right off the bat like is a, it's a it's a hilarious image yeah <laughs> um, so it just kind of it's just so goofy right off the bat mm-hmm. and it lets you know like hey we're here to have fun yeah we're here to have we're here to show you a good time we're here to entertain you um yeah and there's just so many <laughs> little things like right in the beginning um the whole scene where he's he's like sweeping uh sweeping trash outside the theater and he like finds some money and he puts it in his pocket and then uh he's like what you can tell he's like wanting to go out and buy something mm-hmm. and then all these people like a, a lady shows up and st- like she starts digging through the trash and she's like, have you yeah. seen my dollar? And he's like, what does it look like? Describe it. <laughs> and then it, and she's and like peeking over his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at and, it, yeah. And it's great because I mean, there's not, I mean, obviously it, it a lot was lost after the silent era as far as the, the way actors perform and the way that, mm-hmm. you know, films are, told as stories because i mean you know you've got title cards coming on the screen to give you dialogue when you need it but mostly these actors are trying to communicate what these characters are thinking without um without dialogue they're trying to do do it use as little title cards as possible so when she you know she's saying he's saying describe the dollar she's like this wide you know she's using her hands to go this wide and this tall and she does some weird flappy thing like i don't know what that was about like (laughs) 
Is yeah, there a bird on the dollar? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you can like he's such a good like you can tell he's been doing this his whole life. Like he was yeah. born on a stage. You know what yeah. I mean? He was born in front of an audience. He was he's been doing this his whole life, and he's yeah. he's just so good at communicating what's going on in this character's head without saying anything. Yeah. It's crazy to mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. I think leading on from what you just said, just the, the fact that in silent film, you do get people that tend to overact and kind of, you know, they're all arms kind of thing. You know, yeah. but being a stone face doesn't give him that opportunity. Yeah. So I think that's why I like him so much is he's so, reserved like ev like everything is very meticulous and his timing's perfect i mean that whole scene <clears throat> as you were saying i mean it pretty much starts off with him just getting a piece of paper stuck to his broom uh -huh. and just like transferring it from hand to hand foot to foot i was like and he's then... spider-man <laughs> 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 and then like, placing it under and that guy walking out the right time yeah, it's just all time yeah. it's so good yeah yeah but then um, the th the other things I love are like the little, I don't know where he where he lets that character drop. Like when he goes to the girl's house after he's bought the the box of I assume it's chocolates. I'm not quite sure what is in those boxes. Yeah, but you see like a shot of the house outside, and he's like skipping to the door, and that kills me every time I see <laughs> that. It just makes me laugh. I'm just like, <laughs> just imagining Buster Keaton skip is just a yeah. lot for me to handle. <laughs> um crap, I forgot what I was gonna say. Do you wanna talk about the stunts, the ones that impressed you the most in the film? Yeah. Um yeah, when I guess the movie like really kicks in when he or the plot, I guess, yeah. really kicks in when he decides that he's gonna find this stolen watch. Um mm -hmm. That I guess it's her, this other boyfriend that steals it. Yeah. I couldn't figure out who this guy out. was supposed to be. Yeah, he was just like another kind of like love interest. Yeah. You know? I was, at first I thought he was her dad. And then I was like, when they were doing the whole scene where he's like brings the other gift and they're like in the room and yeah. he's like <laughs> touching her sure dress, I was like, this is strange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, um, I'm I'm trying to remember it it he at one point he goes back to the projection booth and he falls asleep. Mhm. Mm yeah. And then he you see him come outside of his body and then he yeah. walks down the aisle of in the movie theater and goes into the movie that's playing. Yeah. And then he becomes um they they set up a new like mystery where something gets stolen and then he becomes they call Sherlock Jr., right? Yeah. So he's like mm -hmm. Sherlock Jr. Um, and <laughs> I love this whole scene where the it, it's like the villain and the butler are like mm -hmm. in cahoots. They've like yeah. stolen, I forget even what it was. It's not a watch this time, but they've stolen something. Yeah. And the butler is showing the villain all of the booby traps that he has around the house. And mm -hmm. he's like, I've got this chair where, you know, this big axe is going to fall down if you sit in it. And I've got a little yeah. bottle of poison and I've got these exploding 
uh, pool table balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when he like throws that first ball and it like blows up the tree, I was like, what the fuck? I know, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so casual. He's like, yeah, yeah. here's my exploding ball. And he throws and it nobody outside. nobody heard it. Yeah. And this whole tree <laughs> just blows up in their yard. <laughs> but then like the whole scene where, um, yeah, then, then Sherlock Jr., you know, played by Buster Keaton comes in and they they go through this whole thing where they're trying to, you know, murder Sherlock mm-hmm. Jr. Somehow they like try to get him to sit in the chair and he like almost sits in it. And then uh, they try to give him the poison and then they try to play pool and Buster Keaton is just, they, they, they put the one exploding ball in there and he's, it, it's, it's hard to even describe. Like yeah. it, it's done so well. Like apparently he trained, with like mm-hmm. a professional, um, oh, I don't know what you call him, pool, pool person, Players. yeah, <laughs> pool yeah. player, um, yeah. pooler to do, uh, yeah, to do all these trick shots and stuff. So he, you know, he goes all in. Like he, he, yeah. like all of it is great. And he, you find out at the end that he actually switched the ball, because um, they wait till the last second, and then yeah. he finally hits the last ball, and it doesn't explode. <laughs> Um, and I just love his little walk after he's done that. <laughs> he just does it and then just walks out of frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was great. And um, yeah, I there was there was a lot in the film, you know, that I kind of felt like I had just never seen before. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I know George Meliers did a lot of like really short shorts that had a lot of special effects in them and stuff, but I hadn't mm-hmm. really seen a longer film implement, you know, a longer film of this era implement so many like special effects type things in the film. Yeah. Um, there's like a scene where he's running on top of a train and he, he grabs onto the, the water hose, whatever yeah. it is that, you know, fills up the steam engine or whatever. He grabs onto it and then it, it lifts him up off the train, but then he, you know, like, his the weight of his body pulls it down and then the water comes out, mm-hmm. which he really did himself. And apparently yeah. he, like, fractured his neck. Yeah. And, and just got up and carried on. Yeah. He had a few days, apparently had a few days out, like, from filming after it, but complained of a few headaches and then that was it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until years later that they were like, yeah, you've, <laughs> fractured your neck yeah you know? it was something like 15 years later he had no yeah. idea yeah um but ju- and i didn't know that until after i watched the film but just that stunt in general was like wow that was crazy like yeah. how, how did he do that oh well he actually did it that's how like yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean once you find out like that he grew up in vaudeville and you know his dad threw him around on stage like he like he he grew up to be that person. Like he did it his whole life. He had been doing it his whole life. You know, stunts yeah. were a part of his, his whole act. Um, so it just makes sense. Um, but the, the one that really got me like that really, that, that took this film from this is fun to watch to, Oh my God, this movie is great. Was yeah. the whole motorcycle scene. which just like he he's running away from one of the bad guys i i can't Mm -hmm. i can't even remember how the scene gets started but 
uh, I guess it's like a police officer or something, right? That picks him up? Yeah. It's his um, sidekick, Gillette. Oh, okay. So, yeah. They they did set him up earlier. I just, yeah. I only watched it once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so he he picks him up and Buster Keaton just hops on the front of this motorcycle. I mean, and... Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very awkward as far as like he's just sitting on the handlebars mm-hmm. yeah. of this motorcycle. And then immediately uh they go through like this dip in this puddle and his sidekick just falls off the motorcycle, but Keaton is still on the, the handlebars and then the motorcycle <laughs> just goes and it goes yeah. on for so long. <laughs> like it yeah. just keeps going and going and they go out of the city, like out in the country, they go over mm-hmm. a bridge, they go like all like <laughs> yeah, all this crazy stuff and like one of the thoughts that I had while the scene was going on was like this is somebody who knows the medium that they're in. Like not just yeah. like this is film. You know, this is this is you know, which is a whole nother way to tell a story. But but silent film has this speed about it. You know, it's like it's yeah. it's it's a little quicker. Like that the 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 motions, people's body motions, the way they walk, the way they move, everything yeah. is like doesn't look normal as far as mm-hmm. the speed of people's motion. And it's it seems like they use that to their advantage as far as the comedy and everything like that goes. Because yeah. As that scene goes on, it just gets funnier and funnier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And they and I think they like they know that it starts to get ridiculous. Yeah. Like when you get to the bridge with the gap in the middle, and those two trucks come at exactly the right time. They're yeah. passing each other. Like you can tell that they're like, like winking at the audience a little bit. Like we know that this is like slightly ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's so good. And then the bridge collapsing at just the right moment for him to like hit the other side and carry on yeah um my god yeah it's it's incredible yeah i i mean it was there were so many times in this film where i could just hear the audience laughing you know what i mean i was just like i mean what a time it would have been to see this movie with a packed audience like with an audience who had never seen it before yeah would have blown your mind yeah yeah um yeah, I loved all those scenes, and then <laughs> the the part that really that I just like busted out laughing is when he is he follows the villain to his like hideout or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and there, him and his partner are like searching through the car, and they find like this costume and this yeah. The, the, yeah this dress in a in this like round bag or whatever, and. And then he takes it and he like sticks it in the window, and mm-hmm. I, and then I was like I was like what the heck is he doing? Like it made no sense to me. I was like what? Because yeah. then he just stands by the door and they grab him, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> and then and then a little while later in the scene, he <laughs> he just jumps out the window and threw the bag with the dress in it, and <laughs> and he just jumps into the dress and starts walking down the street like an old lady (laughs) and everybody immediately runs outside and they're like where did he go and they don't notice the old lady (laughs) i love that part that was like yeah that was probably my favorite part because it just caught me so off guard (laughs) 
Yeah, there's so many. And it happens so, so fast. It's just like. I know. Yeah, I, I love there's a, the way that they kind of take away the wall as well. So you can you don't miss anything of him jumping out the window. It's not like yeah. he jumps through the window and then it cuts to the outside. And it's, you know, you it. I don't know how they did it. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the, there's so many bits that I really, I really like when, like in the beginning, when he's shadowing the love interest and he's like, just the timing of him like stepping behind him, like pretty much like toe to toe. Yes. And yeah. like when he throws the cigarette and he catches it, yeah. smokes it and throws it, it in as his well. mouth. <laughs> yeah. And then like they get to the dip and they kind of pull up and they both like do it at the same time. Um, and even that, like just knowing like cinema as he did, you know, when they turn the corner and then one goes up the, um, the like steps and Buster is like already behind him, but you yeah. can't really tell he's behind him because of the, the way the cameras, yeah. take, you know, there's just so many touches that just shows that he knows a lot about this process. Yeah. Like, apparently he was obsessed with cameras, like the moment he stepped on set like he took them apart he like wanted to know how they worked yeah so there's a lot of stuff where he's just you can tell he's just playing with the medium yeah and pushing the pushing the boundaries of what it can do and what it's been been able to do yeah, yeah. um but and two it's like like you like you said you can tell he like it, it feel like he's so good at it that it just feels casual. Like the the thing you yeah. were talking about, where he's walking behind the guy, and then the guy throws a cigarette, and he and he just catches it and flips it into his mouth. Yeah, like that had to have been so hard. Uh, yeah, and a lot of mm-hmm. practice and everything. But he makes it look so casual, and it's yeah. like he was just that good. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's two bits in here that really, like in the film, that really make me laugh. The first is after he's been shadowing the guy um, and they get to the train station and he turns around and like sees Buster and Buster's like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be and like gets onto the train just as if yeah. like, you know, yeah, I was, I'm was, i catching this train. And he's, he's like, yeah, what do you want? I'm just going to yeah, on this exactly. train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other bit is like, it's just, it's so silly, but it's so funny is where... Like when he's playing the Sherlock Jr. character and he's in his house and he goes to the safe and he like unlocks the safe and opens it and it's just his front door. Yeah. <laughs> I had to rewind it because I was like, because <laughs> yeah. it just happens so fast. And then all of a sudden he, yeah, all of a sudden it changes to the scene. Like before I knew it, he had walked through that that safe and then he, which is the front door, and then all of a sudden he was on the roof Yeah. of you know, this building yeah. and you see landscapes in the background and I had to rewind it because I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, where are It's we? been like 30 seconds. What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But even great. the dull scene, he's like pretending to get ready in the mirror and then he walks like, and it's just like a doorway. He's just like, he's just facing a doorway that you just assume is a mirror, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing that I just... It always blows my mind that when he jumps on the signal crossing and like drops into the car, that is oh just, yeah yeah is just incredible to me. I don't yeah. know, you know, there's so many good stunts in this, but that is up there for like jaw dropping for me because there's no like it. It doesn't even look like he looks at the car. Like he sees that the guys in the car, and then he runs over to the signal thing, just grabs on and drops. 
Yeah. Like there's just the timing and just like the trust that is going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the planning and like, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, like I said, he, he makes it look so casual, but you know that he, he, he meticulously planned out and thought out every possible scenario of accident or anything that could happen to make sure you know, the timing and the weight and the, like all yeah. those things yeah. um, to make it perfect, to make yeah. it that casual. But he, yeah, he just seems like someone who was just fearless. Like mm-hmm. he had, he had literally been <laughs> being thrown around his whole life, been doing stunts his whole life that he, and, and, and because he has that deadpan thing, uh, the stone face, like he has to, he has to do it with such confidence. He has to do it yeah. without, you know, being over the top or being like showing any sign of fright or, yeah. or, uh, goofiness or anything like that. That was what I was going to say earlier that I completely blanked on was that, um, I was reading, there was one film he was in where it might've been when he was working with MGM, but, um, the ending, the producers wanted him to smile. And he's like, okay, we can do a take where I smile, but it's not going to work. Yeah. And they did a test screening with audiences and people were like booing <laughs> when he smiles at the end. Yeah. So they took it out and replaced it with him not smiling because <laughs> nobody yeah, wanted to see that. <laughs> like, there's a few early shorts like before he kind of, I mean, he pretty much really quickly, very much like Chaplin became this persona, you know, yeah. you can see it kind of like within three or four shorts, he's like the stone face. Um, but in the first one, he like throws a sack of flour at like our buckle and it hits him and it cuts back and he is like rolling on the floor laughing. And I just like, I love seeing it because it's just really? so, yeah, it's just so like, you never get to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't think like he would have been as in like as big if he was a, if he, you know, was one of those comedians that laughed all the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, the stone face is like the thing, I yeah. think. But yeah. it's great to see little bits of it every now and again. But Yeah, for sure. Especially as a yeah. big fan, you know, getting to see yeah. him emote a little more than mm-hmm. usual, you know. Yeah. A different side of him. But he could just look like surprised and I'd love it. Yeah. You know, the the end when he's watch like taking the cues through the cinema of what to do with a girl. And then it cuts and they've got like a family, like three kids. Yeah. And just the look of like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On his face is just so well done. Yeah. Um Yeah, that that is a moment that I wish you know, there you know, I, I like obviously I feel like, you know, it's it's funny, but it's like that that is one moment that I wish I could hear an audience reaction to is to the very end, you know. <laughs> Cause I just you know I want to know like how big that lap is, you yeah, know was sure, it I mean, was it a chuckle or was it like a burst of laughter in the theater yeah. was it an eruption like I'm I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean um, I'm sure it was you know like pretty big. Yeah. In terms of everything, but what? Because I listened to like the the commentary on the on the Blu-ray I've got, and they said made a really good point that I hadn't really thought about. They were like. It's obviously like split into two, this film. You get like the first half, which is like the real world, and then the second half, which is like the film world. Right. Um, but the the first half, the story is wrapped up before we even go into the film world, really. 
like the girl goes and yeah, she finds find, out. Yeah. Yeah. And they were saying that the reason was because they didn't want the audience to be worried about Buster while the other stuff was going on. Yeah. So they wanted that to be like, it's okay. He's not like he's going to get the girl. Yeah. Now we're going to show you some incredible things. Yeah. They didn't to want to worry about like, yeah. oh, he's going to be depressed yeah. when he wakes exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to, or he's going to stay in this depression or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and apparently it's supposed to be like, so it was supposed to be like six reels and it ended up being like four, four and a okay. half. Um, so it was going to be a lot longer. Um, but he like tested it with an audience and they didn't react as well to it. So he cut it down. Wow. And there's like some famous shots of him, like, like buried under film reel. And that obviously was in the film, but got caught. So there's so much in there that like maybe in the projection booth that they just like cut for time, you know, they kept it very trim. Um, but yeah, this, it could have been, you know, 70 minutes, 80 minutes long quite easily, I think. That's but really it works. I mean, that 45 yeah. minutes is, like you said, it's tight. Like, there is no wasted time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it just moves. Yeah. And it's, and it's entertaining all the way through. And he's so good at just playing with your perceptions, you know. Like you were talking about with the with the axe and the billiard ball or whatever it was. Um, Just how he kind of kept missing it and, like, not quite sitting down. And then the banana skin at the beginning. You know, like, one of the classic tropes of comedy the banana skin on the floor trying to get the guy to come over to it yeah and then he forgets about it and slips on it anyway because he gets so annoyed (laughs) i'm just like it's just so good but it's his like it's his performance that like makes it so good because like that scene where he's (laughs) he puts the banana peel on the ground and then he's just holding he's like holding the banana like tucked in on his (laughs) side so the guy can't see it and he's like Come in, come in here. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, what do you closer. want? And he's like, come <laughs> on, come on. <laughs> like the way that he does that is just so yeah. great. Um, and the and the hand-holding scene with the girl where like, they're <laughs> touching, they both like flinch and then she like slams the hand down and so does he. And he like looks surprised at his own like aggression. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, man, he was just like, he was, that's what he was born to do, you know? He yeah. was, he was, he he knew his audience you know what i mean um i'll tell you one thing that i did do this week um i joined the international buster keaton society oh shoot what is that yeah it's like i think it was like 35 dollars for the year and you just get like access to like the newsletter and stuff like that but i was like man i love this man so much i want to you know pledge and apparently all the donations they spend on like um you know, like getting artifacts and like memorabilia and kind of preserving it and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, that's 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 dope. That's so, cool. Yeah. So how much do you know about um Keaton in general? Like what, what his what his career was like after silent film and yeah. what I mean, you know the rest of his career was like. I think I know the basics. I mean so he kind of made a lot of these really well-regarded silent films and then poor decision decided to go to mgm um for the money and then lost pretty much creative control on all this stuff um i mean he was like transitioning into talkies pretty well i think and then it just disintegrated he kind of you know lost a lot of money ended up living in a caravan opposite 
um, a studio. I can't remember which studio it was. Um, but then, like, towards the end, he started to get, like, life again, I guess. He did a lot of educational stuff, mm-hmm. um, like, educational videos. and He did a lot yeah, of TV, a, right? Yeah, there was a lot of, like, resurgence around him, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he was just, you know, picking it back up. But, yeah, it's it's pretty sad, you know, that just the whole MGM stuff and the fact that it just destroyed him really like it destroyed his creativity and yeah the studio just tried to control him you know it's just a different era yeah so but he yeah he from what i was reading he did he did make a have like a resurgence in tv um yeah. which makes a lot of sense because he was so into new technology and stuff and once tv came around he was like oh this is my yeah, my new thing because he has a lot of TV credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, I guess nineteen sixty, they gave him an honorary Oscar. Yeah. Um, for his unique talents, which brought immortal comedies to the screen. I kind of said it about myself. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, he's just so he he did get to see. You know, towards the end, because he died in 1966, he did get to see towards the end that he was going to be remembered as as someone who had a huge impact yeah. on that industry. But I was also reading that he never considered himself like any kind of a genius or like an artist or anything. Like anytime yeah. anyone tried to speak like highly of him, he didn't like he just shut it down. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, I think like when you're good at something, you know, I think it's it's hard to I don't know, to credit yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like I feel like it was just natural. Like he was just interested in the camera, he was interested in the screen, and this is just like you said, it's been something he's been doing his whole life. Yeah. So he just put those two things together, but just nobody else was doing it the same way. Yeah. You know? Um Yeah, it's he's he's incredible I, I just love everything he does i think he's um the one of the greatest you know silent film artists ever I just, yeah you know he's just incredible yeah well i definitely want to watch a lot more of his stuff and like yeah. I, I think he's probably a good good way to get into silent film oh for sure you know yeah because um, then through him you'll probably learn a lot about you know roscoe arbuckle and yeah you know, people like that. So, um, is there anyone that you can think of living today that compares to Keaton in any way? Obviously, you can't compare him as far as the whole package as like a a stunt, yeah, double and per- performer. You know, but like yeah. as far as like his, you know, the whole stone face. Like, are there? Are there actors who who kind of have that? I feel like Aubrey Plaza kind of yeah. had, you know, got famous off of off of basically the deadpan kind of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mm, it's hard. I I saw a review for Jackass Four, I guess it is that's coming out. Uh huh. Um, and so and somebody said that like, oh, it owes a lot of debt to Buster Keaton because it's like they're doing their own stunts or whatever. And I'm like, it's not really the same do you know what i mean yeah like i understand where they're coming from but i think there's a lot of um 
I don't know. There's a lot of kind of threads throughout cinema to this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, I know? think definitely. Like, I mean, Jackass is like, let's watch these people get injured doing these stunts. Whereas, like, Buster Keaton was like, oh my God, he just did this stunt and casually walked away. Yeah. After breaking How his neck. the heck did he do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously very different. I mean, I guess you can make a comparison to audiences or something like that, but... Yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, he's... You know, it's hard to compare him because like you said at the, at the beginning of the show, just he feels like this was just made for him to be around yeah. at this time. And there's like, nobody, there's nobody yeah. else that's like... I mean, for one thing, vaudeville isn't a thing anymore. I mean, there's nobody else that like is could could grow up yeah. in an environment like that and then become someone like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. There's there's there, there's no platform for it anymore. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um. Do you know where he got the name Buster? From Houdini, right? Harry Houdini. Yeah. Yeah. Family he, friend. Yeah, he performed, like he he toured with the family, mm-hmm. and apparently, um, when Buster Keaton was a kid, he like threw him through threw, threw himself down some stairs <laughs> to make Houdini laugh, and he was like, yeah. "That was a real Buster," and then and they just called him name. Buster Keaton yeah. ever since. Yeah, he's yeah, like I said, he's just it's like cinema magic, you know? It's just all these like cool little things. Yeah, that all culminate in this one person that you can just watch again and again. Just yeah, doing incredible things, you know. Yeah, and he's and he's like, you know, he did. I think drink a lot and stuff like that. I mean, everybody at that age did, like. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently his dad was an alcoholic yeah. too, and and who plays know. the girl's father in this? Yeah, he he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it confused me at first because I was like. I think I saw that his his dad was in this, and then I thought that the villain was his dad, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah. Or I thought the villain was her dad, or whatever. But um, anyway, I just got confused there for a second. But yeah, he plays his love interest's father. Yeah. Which is cool. Like it's cool that. I mean, that it's just crazy that that like that we this is like almost a hundred years ago. And you yeah. learn you learn the stories of all this all this stuff, and then it's just crazy that we can watch it, like just the fact that we can watch it, and it's like yeah. oh, there's his dad right there, you know, yeah. like exactly, yeah. It, I mean, it's like you know, trying not to compare him to Charlie Chaplin too much. Being the kid, um, like Jackie Coogan who plays the kid, his his dad is in the film as well, and it's okay. just you know all these things that just kind of like link and like come together, and it's. You know, I think they like Keaton was just discovered in New York, just like walking down the street. Like he saw someone that he knew, the new Fatty Arbuckle, and then they just get introduced. And just because he took a walk on the street, it's just yeah, um, like turned into this. But yeah, it's he. I mean, everyone should go and try and find some Keaton to watch. Yeah, because it's it is like watching the birth of cinema, basically. Like yeah, on screen, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, 
if you do want to watch this movie, if you go to the Film Church Radio YouTube channel, I have created a public playlist. Nice. Uh, and I added it to it. So it's just FCR watch list under Film Church Radio. And I'll probably add like the trailers and stuff for the other movies yeah. we reviewed. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, maybe some yeah. behind the scenes stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Just get on <laughs> YouTube and subscribe to us. Yeah, you never know what's going to come next. Yeah, I was. I, I pulled up a little bit of trivia about this movie um, that's interesting. I mean, 1991, Sherlock Jr. was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which is great. Yeah. I, know, I know it's on a lot of, like, top lists of, mm-hmm. like, the greatest movies ever made, you know. Um, yeah. Obviously, this is seen as an important film, and it's kind of interesting. We've had a few movies that are in the the Library of Congress already. This is, yeah, uh, which is cool. I mean, we're on episode ten. Forgot to even mention that at the beginning. Can I know, you believe you're crazy. it? Crazy. No, I can't. It's <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, the intertitle "Introducing Sherlock Junior.'s Assistant" contains some sharp humor. His assistant, Gillette, a gem who was ever ready in a bad scrape. Uh, Gillette, Gem, and Ever Ready were all razor manufacturers. Nice. <laughs> Just like random like little comedy. Yeah. Like how can yeah. we make this as hilarious as possible? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I just love how like in the opening scene... Like he comes into the theater and you can tell that it's busted behind the mustache. But then in the in the other film, Buster just never gets that it's him with the mustache. Like both times that we see him, like when he's on the bike and then when they get to the hideout and he's like hiding on the back of the car. Oh, he's wearing yeah. like a fake mustache and Buster just doesn't recognize it's him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just those little things that just get me. I'm just like it just it's the attention to detail. Yeah. You know, where they're like, yeah. it'd be funny if we did that. Yeah. Yeah, so, man. It's like that's that's uh, you know, it makes me wonder what those other scenes were that they cut out. You know, yeah. like they must—they must just not have been as tight as that. Yeah, you know, those little yeah. moments and stuff. Yeah, the, I mean, it probably showed it to an audience, and it just wasn't getting the same laughs as, you know, him being thrown out of a cinema screen. Yeah. So, um, but still, I'd love to see him. I mean, any Buster is welcome. So, the. Uh, the uh, the title card in the film within the film, Heart of Pearls, during which Buster Keaton falls asleep, informs us that it was produced by the Veronal Film Company, an appropriate name since Veronal was the first <laughs> barbitrate sleeping pill ever marketed. <laughs> um and Sherlock Jr.'s assistant Gillette was named after William Gillette, the first actor to play Sherlock Holmes on stage. Yeah, and I didn't really realize until, again, I heard it on the commentary, but Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock, was still alive oh, at really? this point. Yeah. Like, still putting out Sherlock Holmes mysteries. So, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, it just feels so strange Yeah, that all these people were around at the same time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, it just shows that also, you know, the fact that he names a character after the first actor to play Sherlock Holmes on stage, yeah. which seems kind of random, but it just shows like his obvious like appreciation to other stage performers. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And his knowledge. I mean, he didn't, he wouldn't have had IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, he must have seen it. He probably saw it yeah. on stage. Well, we, I mean, we know that Buster was super loyal as a person. I mean, we talked a little bit about Roscoe Ar- Arbuckle and the, like, the trial that he went through in, like, 21 and 22. Yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, he got um, accused of um, murdering someone by rape, basically. Um, and Arbuckle. he went to, like... Yeah, and it went to like three trials, um, and there was never really any evidence. And in the end, he was acquitted, and the judge was like, "You know, I'm so sorry that we've dragged you through the mud for nothing, pretty much." Yeah. Um, but I mean, Hollywood turned their back on Arbuckle, but Keaton didn't all the way through. He's like, "He's innocent. I'm going to stand by him." Like, kind of backhandedly, not backhandedly, but through the back door, like hired him to write bits, like direct some of his shorts. You know, keep him kind of working. Yeah. Um, Arbuckle went, you know, if you watch any Keaton shorts and you see the name um, either like William B. Goodrich like appear anywhere, that's Arbuckle. Um, shortened down to Will Be Good, which is still like a little like nod <laughs> to the audience, you know, I yeah. will be good kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's Arbuckle. But yeah, Keaton like stood by him and really tried to help him get back on his feet and. You know, I just, I just love those things. I'm yeah. just like, he's obviously such a good guy and so loyal and, you know, had his heart in the right place. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, again, I forgot what I was going to say. <clears throat> I always like have a new path to go down and then I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Our buckle deserves to be rediscovered, by the way, to everybody listening. You should try and find some. Do you think so? Yeah, I've never. Everyone, I don't think. I don't know if I've. I don't think I've ever watched any of his stuff. Yeah, everyone likes to kind of. I mean, he's he's remembered for that one thing. Like I know him for that. Yeah, exactly. Scandal yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know? everybody kind of. That's the conversation that happens around him. But yeah, he was like, like I said, kind of contemporary of Chaplin, really. You know, up there yeah. is one of the highest grossing film stars and stuff. Yeah, but it's not as polished as keaton's comedy i don't think it is very much like pie in the face yeah you know stuff like that but it's still entertaining to watch it's still a good screen presence yeah that's my psa for the (laughs) how did you get into like when did you start getting into silent films did you did it happen uh when you were a kid or like in film school or uh, I mean, I think I can trace it back to being a kid. Like my dad used to show me Laurel and Hardy shorts when I was younger, you know. Yeah. Um, and they were pretty much like mostly talky. Um, at that point, but you know, still that kind of humor transferred over. Yeah. And then it was on it. It was Richard Attenborough's Chaplin that kind of I f- okay. found it on TV like late one afternoon. Um, watched it and was like, oh, this guy's really interesting. You know, and I think I was what, like fifteen at the time. Yeah. Um, and then we went to London. I don't know if it was like that weekend or like later, I can't remember, but I bought Chaplin's autobiography. Um okay. just on a whim. I was like, it seemed really interesting, I want to read it. Um and I was just like flicking through it while we we're walking around and he mentions a pub that his father used to drink at, and it was like on the street that we were on. 
it was really weird. Oh, you know, I could like see weird. the pub while I was flicking through the book. Yeah, and I rem- like, and it was just like, okay, this is kind of. A, a, I I believe a lot in like signs and stuff like that. I was like, okay, well, I need to spend time looking at this guy, I guess. Yeah. So I plowed through it, and it's not an easy read. It's yeah. Just a lot of like name <laughs> dropping, and you yeah. know, a lot of people I'd never heard of before. But then I just started watching all these films, and then just like branched out from there, you know. Yeah. So it's awesome. Chaplin, really. Yeah. They got you. That's cool. Hooked. Yeah. But there's so much more. Oh um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could spend forever. Yeah. And I love the <laughs> in, in the silent era. I'm sure there's there's a lot of stuff out there, and there's a lot of stuff that got lost too, which is yeah, crazy. Like, there's even more that was just lost forever. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be found at some point. I mean, Never not all know. of it, but yeah, there's a lot of collectors out there that tend not to tell people what they've got. So Yeah. Who knows? There might be some some stuff out there that we haven't found yet, but yeah. fingers crossed. And there's a lot of great companies doing a lot of great work of restoring films as well. Yeah. So. Thankfully, pretty much all the Keens, I think, are restored and available. So Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing about Keaton and Chaplin is that they were so, like, reused, I guess. Yeah. That and they just never dropped and... out of... Yeah, they never dropped out of circulation. They're always being shown somewhere. Yeah. So the, the prints are always pretty good. Yeah. Well... Yeah. We've talked twice as long as this movie. I'm just kidding. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but we probably could. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just how good it is. I mean, I just want to go and watch it again. Yeah. So and I'm glad you liked it, Brennan. I mean, there's a lot like about like camera trickery and stuff like that that I really wanted to like you to see kind of thing. Yeah. So I know that you you know. So I'm glad that Yeah, there is a lot it. in this movie that is just like I said, it's like it felt like stuff I had never seen before, which is it, it, it's crazy yeah. because this is a movie that is a hundred years old, and it's like, yeah. um, and I'm sure it was the same for the audience, obviously back then. But like, you know, even the car, like that <laughs> they break, and then it the car flies off the wheels <laughs> and turns into a boat. Yeah, like <laughs> just. You know, obviously we've seen, you know, cars drive on... I mean, they do that in James Bond, don't they? Cars yeah. driving on water and stuff. You know, but, like, this is 1924. Like, no one mm-hmm. had ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um, And then the uh, the whole shots of him going into the screen was done so well. I'm, you know... Yeah, it's, the cuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like how did they do that back then? You know, yeah. Like now just, it would just be CGI, but just like, just such good entertainment all the way through, mixed with these state of the art like special effects that people were yeah. just like amazed by, and mm-hmm. I was amazed by. Yeah, you know, a hundred years. It later. still is jaw dropping. I mean, there's still a lot in it. That I'm just like, I have no idea how they did that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So. Stands the test of time. I mean, I think in a hundred years it'll still be watched and talked about in the same yeah. way. So it's good. Well, 
I think we've exhausted Sherlock Jr. I think Brian. so. Do you want to tell us what we're going to be watching next week? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> uh, Lilies of the Field, 1963, starring Sidney Poitier. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, it's on Prime Video, so you guys should go oh, watch fantastic. it. Um, but this is the film that got him his Best Actor Oscar, the first Best best Actor Oscar ever given to an African-American. How cool. I know that a few weeks ago, I said I was like, I really wanted to kind of pick one of his films for yeah. us to talk about. Yeah, me too. Um, so I'm so glad that you did. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it. I think I've only seen It Happened One Night. Yeah. I think that's the name of it. No, that's not the right movie. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? No. Guess Who's Coming to Town? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is that movie? In the Heat of the Night. Nice. I knew it had something to do with a night. Yeah. (laughs) The nighttime. Dude, there's a lot of titles of films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are. Um, Yeah, In the Heat of the Night was really good. Cool. I watched it a couple years ago. Cool. But uh Yeah, I haven't seen as many. I've seen I think the Defiant ones with Tony Curtis. Because I do like Tony Curtis. Um and then Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah. I watched a few years ago and I absolutely loved it. It was yeah. so good. So I mean I've been wanting to watch it. But yeah, I, I, I feel I decided like, to pick the one that he won his Oscar for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a great choice. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I think that he like his roles that he chose were really good. Yeah. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, good yeah, choice, man. Brent. Sweet. So everybody awesome. just go watch it on Prime Video before next week. Yeah. And then leave us a comment. Tell us how you liked it. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio. And you can follow us individually on Letterboxd at Selman Scope and at Walker Lewis 3007. Um, and that way you can keep up with what we've been watching throughout the week. You know, we talk about it a little bit on here, but you can catch it in real time. Um, yeah. We also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podca- podcast platforms. So please leave us a rating and a review so we know if you liked the film, if you didn't, and what you would pick for us to watch in the future. We're always welcome suggestions. You know, there's a lot of films that aren't on our radar. Um, so drop us a note let us know what you want us to watch if we haven't seen it we might pick it but before we go completely Brandon if I wanted to be a a detective do you have any like rules that I should follow or any kind of tips I've got seven tips for you oh awesome (laughs) let me get my notebook out could be done in any order okay but first or, or later, you want to sh- <laughs> <laughs> you want to search everybody. You want to look for clue. Nice. Uh, you want to examine all windows. You want to search for fingerprints. You want to shadow your man closely. You want to send for the police, and probably the most important thing is keep cool. Nice. Awesome. 
Well, they seem like good clues for anyone wanting to be a detective. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, it works. You do them and you become a detective. It's magic. That's right. Yeah. Just be cool. Be cool. Keep cool. (laughs) Keep cool. We we already are cool. We just have to keep it. Yeah, exactly. Don't do anything to mess it up. (laughs) Awesome. On that note, thank you all for listening. Um, And we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you all. Keep cool. (laughs) Bye. Bye.